Welcome to the Dark Zone, an adventure racing podcast. So go far, how endurance sports help you win at life. It, it's really kind of my story. And I mentioned earlier, I'm, I'm just kind of an, I'm an average athlete from the Midwest. And it talks about how to use what you have to achieve your dreams. Okay, you people sit tight, hold the fort and keep the home fires burning. And if we're not back by dawn, call the president. You're going the wrong way! What? You're going the wrong way! He says we're going the wrong way. Oh, he's drunk. How would he know where we're going? Yeah, how would he know? Thank you, thanks a lot. Welcome to the Dark Zone, episode number 63. Author Jennifer Strong McConaughey comes on to talk about her book, Go Far, How Endurance Sports Help You Win at Life. A fun listen, great answers, solid. I even let her sneak in some rollerblading discussion. I know I should have cut it. I apologize for that. Rollerblading is icky. But hey, if she says it, I got to put it out there. Listeners, thanks for being here. Great stuff in this episode. We are delighted that you are joining us again and again. Please spread the good word about The Dark Zone through your various platforms. Click, like, share, all that fun stuff. If you keep racing, we'll keep talking. Sit back and enjoy the show. Before we get into the episode, I'd like to thank VJ Shoes for sponsoring the show. VJs have made quite the splash on the AR scene thanks to their grippy soles, lightweight, and how quickly they drain water. If you're in the market for a new way to treat your feet right, check them out. Listeners of The Dark Zone can go to VJ Shoes USA dot com slash the dash dark dash zone and enter the code dark zone 20 all one word for a $20 discount on your purchase. Thank you to VJ for supporting adventure racing and that link will be in the show notes. I'd like to also mention the dark zones charity partner Ascend Athletics. We are proud to support their mission to empower young women through mountaineering based leadership training and community service. All of our listeners are encouraged to visit AscendAthletics.org to learn more about Ascend and their work in helping to develop leadership and resiliency in young women in Pakistan and Afghanistan through fitness, mental health, community service, and mountaineering. Please note that Ascend pays nothing for this mention. We just love the work that they do and are happy to spread the word. Be sure to check out their website for some upcoming activities that anyone can get involved in. And now sit back and relax and enjoy Jennifer Strong McConaughey. Jennifer is an ultra sport endurance athlete, adventure racing, marathoning, ultra running, you name it, she's done it. She's the author of Go Far, How Endurance Sports Help You Win at Life. We are delighted to have Jennifer join us on the Dark Zone. Um, I picked her up from another podcast that she was on and she was informative and delightful and interesting. And she was kind enough to come spend her lunch hour speaking with me. So Jennifer, welcome to the Dark Zone. A common question we ask, we start with is, what is your origin story? How did you get involved in all this stuff? Well, I like to say that I, I have been an athlete for over 30 years. Um, and I did my very first run race when I was seven. And I have just been building sports and building iterations of sports um, since then. So I, I've always been a runner and a swimmer. And that kind of led to uh, triathlons. And so I did triathlons in addition to competitive running and swimming as a, as a child and a young person. And um, I did high school sports. And I actually went to college um, to be on a rowing team, on a crew team at my uh, Kansas State University. And while I was there, I really decided that rowing was great. But my favorite part about rowing um, were the days when we got to get in the pool and swim and the days that we we were doing run training. <laughs> I'm like, OK, uh, maybe I should go back to doing a sport where I get to swim and run a lot and bike. Um, and so I got back into doing uh, competitive triathlons in my 20s. 
And so from there, um, it was in the early 2000s. Um, my dad, um, I came home from college that first year and I said, I want to get back into triathlon racing. My dad and I had done done that, you know, growing up. And so um, he kind of helped me get get into um, when I when I was a kid, he was doing adult triathlons. So we kind of did some of the iconic races um, here in Kansas in the Midwest. Um, and in the midst of that, um, adventure racing was having this emergence. Um, I, I always like to talk about, I was inspired by the eco challenge as a young person watching that um, and seeing those multi-day races in, in the jungles. And, um, you know, each team had a woman, but there were not a lot of women. And I just remember being so inspired um, by the, the women. And of course the men that were out just sort of surviving and uh, going through these crazy wilderness waterfalls and jungles and getting funguses and um, infections and, you know, carrying all their supplies. It was just fascinating. And I thought someday I want to do that. I, I have no idea how, but I, I just really wanted to do that. Um, and so when we found out there was a, a local company here that put on some sort of intro adventure racing, intro to adventure racing. So I did my first one in probably um, 2002 and uh, it was like a two hour race race. Um, and it involved trail running and mountain biking and then um, paddling, but it wasn't like paddling in like a really nice kayak that was built for speed. It was one of those inflatable kayaks that you sit on top of. And like, it just, it's just, it's built for recreation. It's not built for, you know, trying to win a race. And so uh, we always joked that sort of the early days of adventure racing, sort of those two to five hour races, um, I actually ended up just really being good at it. Um, which was really fun. Um, and it was totally different than triathlons because it had that sort of rugged, um, unknown element. It wasn't measured. It wasn't succinct. You didn't have to follow 8,000 different rules. Like there were a set of rules, but it was kind of wild. And uh, my very first race, my my tires got so covered in mud um, that we were just like constantly having to get off the bike and clean the mud off the tires. And it's like, that would never happen in a triathlon. Even, even triathlons where there's a thunderstorm and uh you know it, your rain you're, you're biking through the rain like you're still not having that like completely and utterly like suctioned down in mud um and and i wasn't even that far from from home on this very first uh, adventure racing sort of summer like i was you know maybe an hour from where i lived i was i was out in the wilderness but like it wasn't international it wasn't that crazy unfamiliar but it was just enough of that like taste of the wild that i really needed and really kind of was was different um being a college student, not a lot of my friends were doing that. Not a lot of people I knew when I first got into it were doing it. And so it really was a way to just sort of like say, hey, I don't I don't have to live this this typical like lifestyle. I can choose my own path. I can create my own path and I can sort of connect with sort of the the what I'm looking for outside of sort of this is what society has prescribed for me. I'm going to ignore that and I'm going to spend time on the water. I'm going to go spend time on the trails. I'm going to get completely and utterly covered in mud and have my legs so zapped and so tired that I can't function. Uh, and and I'm going to just kind of add that um, infusion of the wilderness into, into my life. Um, and so that, that was kind of my origin story of adventure racing. Um, and I've just, just been building on iterations and sports from there. So, you, you know, you make a funny point, right? Because you talked a lot about the the challenge, right? You you watched the Eco Challenge and you saw the folks. I'm a big fan of, and those who are out there, go to YouTube, check it out. Eco Challenge Morocco blew my mind. Like the opening the opening section where they had to ride the camels and the woman gets tossed and then the, they lose the maps in the water. Yes, and yes. it's bedlam <laughs> from the start. Like, well, yes. there are teams that are in the front that are doing just fine, but who cares? Like, they're great. It's the teams that are in the back that are just getting clobbered. And so I completely agree with your your discussion about how, as someone who was doing, I, I call them straight ahead sports, triathlon, marathon, running races, things like that. You got that taste of the of, of a wilder side, if you will. The fact that adventure racing was somewhat of a more rugged was the word that you use and you figured out on your own. So I completely get that that crossover to that, and I like that you brought up the fact that it was it was in your backyard. Right. You didn't have to go be in Borneo for it and you didn't have to go, you know, on the other side of the world. 
that you were able to find it relatively close to home and you really enjoyed that part of it. Um, it sounds like to me that growing up in an active home, you mentioned that your father was involved in triathlon when he was going through. It was this has always been sort of embedded into your 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 life experience, life expectations, outdoors, things like that. It sounds like it's always been a part of what you do. Absolutely. Um, grew up outside um, riding bikes and scooters and doing obstacle courses in the backyard. Uh, we had a tightrope. Um, we had, uh, you know, swings and trappies and that kind of thing. And so that and was you really- also had the rule, by the way, that if someone gets hurt, you don't tell your parents. Right. That was the other <laughs> rule, too, that existed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. We were we were free range kids. Right, right. Um, and so it's really fun because I, I look at my backyard today with my children and, and we've somehow built some sort of mountain bike course on an old stairwell and we've got the swing set. And it's just it's really great because um, I'm mimicking some of that that stuff because I feel like those early experiences that I had as a child made me really confident in my ability to try new sports, uh, pick up new things um, and just having that running background. And, and I, I've used that today. I've just, if I'm trained in running, I feel like I can bam, do a trail run. I can bam, train for an ultra marathon. I can bam, train for mountaineering or, uh, or tra cross train in biking or swimming or other sports as well. And so I love that, um, multi-sport concept that triathlons introduced me to, but it really inter uh, adventure racing sort of brought out. Um, and that, that's also what What's, what's so fun is that you you can swim and you can train in the pool, but then in an adventure race, you might have to swim across a lake um, as sort of, you know, part of uh, your, your trail running. And then you have to jump off and sort of find your way to the other side. And I have this iconic moment um, in one of these early adventure racings, these this two to 10 hour time frame um, in, 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 the, in the Kansas area. Um, I'm back running through tra trails and vegetation and it's summer and I'm just so hot and it's so muggy because it's very dense and we're alternating between paddling and mountain biking and trekking and running and we get to a, a section where we have to go down a creek bed and so I'm literally like floating down a creek um, I've got my tennis shoes on and my race number and it's like the best feeling in the world because I'm totally free I feel like somebody from, um, you know, early America, the frontier America, where you're just sort of exploring, you find some water and you just float, float down the creek. Um, and that's, that's one of the things that adventure racing introduced uh, me to, and it has given me, me these experiences. And I've been able to build on that um, and compete at an international level and in a, in a variety of sports and a variety of modes. But I like to say that at heart, I really am an adventure racer because we've got multiple modes. Uh, we've got these unknown experiences that are guaranteed to happen. And uh, there's just this element of chance. Um, you, you know, it's a competition. It's still timed. You're you're trying to be super efficient, super fast. Um, you're using so many different skill sets. It's just a really great sport. And it, it's, it's out of everything that I've done, I, I'm an ultra runner, a mountaineer, a, I'll say wild swimmer, distance marathon swimmer. I really like to say that at my heart, I'm an adventure racer because of the variety and because of sort of the excitement um, and just having to know a lot of a lot of different sports and and train for a lot of different sports at once, that's always just really appealed uh, to to me and the adventure side. So, so you brought a for your childhood and for your experiences, you brought obviously a physical skill set into the a physical combined with the mental that you're willing to try new things. When you would work when you work with your team in adventure racing and the navigation and the food and the foot care and all that sort of stuff. What didn't come easy to you? What what did you have to build? What did you have to accept that you you struggle with a little bit and you had to grow you had to grow better towards? Well, I'm not really that fast. <laughs> and uh, I always just say I'm an average athlete. Um, I've done a lot of really cool things and a lot of really hard, really long things. Um, but I'm not a great mountain biker. I'm not a fast biker. And so bike, even in triathlon, biking has always been my weakest link. Um, and if especially mountain biking, it's scary, right? It's, it's thrilling and wonderful. But like, I really have Rocks, had trees, to... roots, uphill, downhill, right? There's a lot there. <laughs> 
Yeah, I did a lot of hike biking in the early days um, and just sort of getting over that fear and pushing, pushing past those limits and working on those skills. Um, And then even, even when not on trails, but on like a long bike section, you know, being with team members who are elite level athletes, who are very fast runners, very fast bikers. That's always, that's always been challenging. Um, But, but I like it because it does push you to be better. Um, and where I'm, I'm a really great paddler. I've always really excelled at paddling. I know I can get on the water and just go, um, and go for a really long time. Um, so there's a trade-off if you're switching sports, that's, that's, what's great As I know I'm going to struggle on the run and the bike, especially when I'm with faster teammates, but I know when I get on the water that I can hold my own and there's that give and take in the trade-off. And, and that's another great thing is the team element because either each team member brings uh, different skill sets, different strengths. Um, and and working together is is a great way to um, just feel like I do so many individual sports where you are alone and, and you still have to, you know, find a way to mentally get through something. But to be, being able to do something as a team, as an adult, that's not football, that's not soccer, that's not basketball, that's not rowing in, a, in an eight person skull. Um, it's it's fun. It's a great way to build friendships. And, the, you know, those friendships are based on more than like, hey, we just went out and had a good time together like we right. were literally relying on each other to survive <laughs> well that's the you know um one of my favorite podcasts is the normal cast and in the normal cast they talk a lot it's a, it's a climbing podcast um by, by by chris calus and he talks about how in climbing adventures it's it's war stories without the war right you you have a shared sure. experience with people on your shoulder to shoulder and you and you 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 go through these these contrived inconveniences on purpose right you you throw yourself into <laughs> these really hard things and it gets and it's challenging and you grow from it. Um, and you brought up a, a core thing there that we like to talk with it to the newer racer about is very rarely on a team. Do you have four people or two people or four people or, or sometimes a combination of three who are all at the exact same skill set, the exact same time. And as a result, you have to expect during a race, there's be parts like you mentioned, like as a cyclist, you really weren't that strong, but as a paddler, you were. And so you had to wrap your head around the idea that during the race itself, you, you may recognize, you may be a bit towards the back when it comes to the cycling, but you don't get that get into your head. And likewise, you don't make your teammates feel bad if they're not as fast as you. So the team dynamic is really important. Absolutely. And and I have some great um, some teammates that I've done adventure racing with, that I've done long runs with, um, that I've climbed mountains with. We've helped each other up um, Mount Elbrus in Russia. It's it's the tallest uh, mountain in Europe. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've climbed that together. And so, again, we have these like amazing survival stories. Um, and, and I always joke like the, the best teammates, you have things in common. Like we all love to like after we're done, like go get really great cookies in whatever city we're in you know we have right. something that sort of like um unites us and brings us together um and so th- those are really great experiences that you don't always get to have as an adult and so adventure racing is a way um to to offer that and and you know it, you don't always have a team right off like when i started i was just doing racing with my dad um but as we did a bunch of races for you know a good solid 10 years and then got in more ultra running and cross training we were able to build the community and meet other people. And and so that does ebb and flow um, through time. And it doesn't always stay the same, but you you, um, are really thankful for those relationships that you have. Yeah. And I agree with that. One of my favorite moments in adventure race is actually not the race itself, but when the race is over and there's that period of time when everyone crosses the finish line and there's pizza and people are hanging out and everyone's having a good time and you're sharing those stories and you're right. And I think you bring up a really interesting point that as an adult, it's, it's hard to recreate that childhood experience of, hi, it's a Saturday morning. My friends and I are going off into the woods for seven or eight, nine hours. We'll be home when the streetlights come on, mom. Bye now. And then those childhood experiences become seminal moments in people's lives. And to your point, as an adult, we really don't have the opportunity to have moments like that. 
Right. And so we have to create them and we have yeah. to make this space. And and in my backyard, I watch my kids switch from the scooter to the bike to running. And it's like, uh, you know, that's that's all adventure racing. Right. And and you, that's the great thing about it is that you you have to be able to switch from from uh, mode to mode. And um, that's that's what I love. And I also love like putting together my own adventure racing. Uh, there there is a point where either when I, I was looking to do a 24 hour event um, in my mid twenties and I could not find one that was somewhere I wanted to go or somewhere that appealed uh, to what I was looking for. And so I built my own. Right. I built my own. But I know what it's, that, that happens all the time, right? <laughs> like, like I, adventure racers, they say, you know something, I really right. want to do this thing. No one's doing it. Well, I guess I'm doing it and you build I'm it. Do- yes. And so it gives by competing, you can build your skill set and then you can decide what do I want to do? Right. And then you have the experience. And then if you if you don't want to have, a, you know, a 30 mile mountain biking section, you don't have to. <laughs> right. Or if, for me, for that first creation, I really was set on 24. Um, and so I made this event and it was really great because I got to really explore where I live. It was one of the first iterations of me kind of putting together my own route. Um, I have a couple of rivers and a lake that I swim train in and I was able to kind of link those. And we did a midnight start, uh, which is always fun because I think it was thunderstorming um, and raining. And so we started with like a midnight track. And this is one of the first times that I had really experienced um, being out all night in an adventure race. Um, In the middle of this race, I actually got a concussion. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> on the it paddling happens. portion. Right. And, um, you know, I didn't want to stop. I wanted to keep going. Um, and I, I always kind of joke, like I have giant contusions from falling on the bike portion, just bruises everywhere, um, scratches from bushwhacking. Um, so yeah, most of my mid twenties, I was sort of like covered um, in adventure racing uh, debris. <laughs> One form or another. Um, but yes, that, that putting together that first goal race of like wanting to do a 24 hour and just not finding one, just building my own. Um, and we just, we do a lot of that now. And we do that for like birthdays. Like, um, when my dad turned 60, we did like, um, a 60 K like come as you are. Some people ran, some people walked, some people biked and, you know, that was kind of like our, our community of, of seeing what we put together, uh, and, and just celebrate like, Hey, if you're not a biker, then just show up and walk. If you're not right. a runner, you know, and we were out all night, um, it's December. So it was cold that most people are not spending their December night out, you know, covering 60 kilometers in one form or another. So just having those adventuring experience and the spirit of adventure racing, trying to take that and portraying it, like you're not going to race year round, but you can have those experiences year round um, by coming up with, okay, do you have a, a Saturday morning. Okay. What can we take from adventure racing and do on a Saturday morning? Do we have a long weekend? What can we take? What can we, we combine? Um, and when my, my husband and I do travel, um, to Colorado, we always like try to like do as many things as we can and right. sort of like the spirit of adventure racing, uh, to get as many different sports or sports that we're not able to train for when we're at home. Um, so I really feel like an, an adventure racing has sort of informed everything that I do now in my 30s by being like a really competitive adventure racer in my 20s. I take a lot of those concepts and just use them in my everyday life, my everyday training in my 30s. And I think you're right about that. I think a a few things happen when people adventure race on on a regular basis. Well, first things first, you learn the value of team, right? You talk a bit about that and and working with people and, and having that dynamic work. Also over time, adventure racing, whether it be four hour race, 24, four days, 10 days, whatever it is, you build a skill set, right? And inside that, you build a physical skill set where you can manage your gear, you collect gear along the way, you know, you're, you're, you can take care of your feet, all of those things, right? What you want to eat. And then aside from the formal races, and you alluded to this yourself, like with your dad's 60th and the other things that you put together, you could then take that skill set and you could apply that physical skill set to anything that you want to do. And a lot of adventure racers do that. Adventure racers over time that when they're not doing formal races, they're planning, they're looking at Cal Topo, looking at Gaia. And they're and they're saying, you know something, I've never really, this big, huge green spot on the map near my house, I've never really been there before. Let's go find that. And they'll spend time pushing into that. And so you're, you're, you're spot on when you talk about that. 
Now, in, in your book, it sounds like what you wanted to do there is you wanted to clean out, pull out some of these lessons, right? And a life of, of you know, you're, you said since seven years old, right? And so this has been embedded into who you are as a person. Tell us about the book. What was the, what was the, the, the main line that ran through it? What did you want to share with the world? So go far, how endurance sports help you win at life. It, it's really kind of my story. And I mentioned earlier, I'm, I'm just kind of an, I'm an average athlete from the Midwest. And it talks about how to use what you have to achieve your dreams. Um, and so I felt like a lot of books that are written are from the absolute top of the game, the elite level athletes, the people yeah. that are winning. And, and they just write about, you have to push yourself and go really far and then you win. And that's all great and wonderful, but that's that's not everyone's story. And so I wanted to tell a story of as, as just a normal working mom from Kansas, this is what I've been able to achieve by following, basically I outlined three pillars in Go Far. And uh, one of those is an explorer's mindset. And so it takes um, using your local environment and studying your maps and looking for treasure um, in your everyday life. And so treasure might be, you know, finding that green space. Okay, I've never been there. Like, let's go check it out. And then maybe we can take our mountain bikes next weekend. And then maybe it's really great for hiking with the kids in the back of the backpack. And so we didn't even have to leave our city and we're going out every day and we're exploring, we're discovering something, we're trying something new. And a lot of that is built from years as a, as a competitive athlete um, and, and a runner and adventure racer, um, but not, not as somebody that's just focused on like putting my head down and like going fast and reaching the finish line. That that's definitely has a place. And I think you have to go through through, put your time in as an athlete to that. But then, but then what, like what, af what after you get that 5k time, what after you do that first half marathon or all the marathons, like if you kind of want something more, um, go far as a book for you, because it talks about, um, cultivating an explorer's mindset using outlier tactics is another one of the pillars and outlier tactics are totally taken from adventure racing. Uh, they're totally taken from those moments that you find yourself floating down a creek um, in the backwoods of Kansas or those moments where you are covered in mud and your tires are so thick that you can't even push your bike forward. And it talks about go far. I really talk about how do I use outlier tactics in my everyday life to be happier? Uh, how do I use it in business world to achieve goals and get things that I want? But also like, can I just think differently and just kind of have more fun in life overall? Can I, instead of driving somewhere, can I walk? Can I run? Can I take my scooter, my push scooter? What about if I rollerblade? Okay, I have kids. What if I put my kids in the, the Thule jogging stroll? And what if we strollerblade there? Um, and so that's just like how to train, how to live, how to just get outside, be active, be curious. Um, and then because I am a swimmer, sort of the other pillar that I talk about and go far is called practicing immersion theory. And adventure racing, you are literally in the middle of trees, woods, forest, everything you're in. You have to be in that moment. You are totally immersed in that moment. And, and I think any endurance athlete, whether you're swimming across a body of water, whether you're running across a volcanic island, um, whether you're climbing up a glacier snow-covered mountain with your crampons and your ice axe and your self-arrest techniques, if, if someone happens to slip when, when you're doing rope travel, you have to be completely present in that moment. It doesn't matter what the environment is. It doesn't matter what the weather's doing. You have to embrace it and use it and survive through it. And then once you do, everything else in your life is easier and doable and you have a frame of reference. Um, and so having these experiences that take us out of our comfort zone, they make everyday life like more manageable, right? Um, I used to always have the barometer um, was I went to Outward Bound, which is a, a national leadership school. And I did that when I was 17. And I spent two weeks sort of canoeing and backpacking through the wilderness. It was a great way to build skills as a young person that I totally used in adventure racing. So I had already, I knew I could, I knew I could canoe for days on end because I had done it when I was 17. And so whenever I'd find myself in like a super hard situation, I would compare it to, well, I survived Outward Bound or I survived Division One college rowing. Or I survived that really tough 15-hour race in Texas where we were on a three-hour track and everyone ran out of water. And so when you have these a, a, a 
experiences through endurance, whatever form that takes, whether it's adventure racing or swimming or uh, running five-day desert stage races, then that suddenly gives you the confidence and the ability to speak in front of a boardroom, to make a presentation at work, to really go after your dreams, to ask for what you want, to to make those long-term goals a reality. Um, And so Go Far, my book, just really, it tells a lot of these stories of, of running an ultra marathon on five of the seven continents, doing ocean marathon swimming, um, climbing some of the seven summits of the world, having the origins as a triathlete and adventure racer and a kid that just liked to play outside. And then it packages those three pillars. And it has a lot of concrete takeaways as far as just how to apply uh, these mindsets and these lessons from endurance um, to just, and I I don't want to say have have success and be successful, but it's me success in that you're fulfilled because you're you're looking at ways to um, be physically active, to be mentally active, to stimulate yourself and become really strong emotionally. Um, and so those are kind of some of the lessons and some of what what we talk about um, in Go Far. Um, but it definitely takes um, those early days of adventure racing. Um, all of those skills they just uh, they just go across the breadth of every phase of, of my life right now. Um, I just came off of, again, I had this goal. I wanted to do a hundred mile continuous paddle kayak, a hundred miles, like an ultra run. So you might stop at an aid station. You might get out of the boat to go to the bathroom or refill your hydration bladder, but you're not stopping. You're, you're not going to a sandbar and you're not camping overnight. A lot of, there are a lot of events like that on rivers where people take multiple days. Um, but I just wanted to go the hundred mile paddling kayaking distance at one go. Um, and so I planned this own, my own event. Um, and I had my dad's help and I had my husband's help. Um, and we kind of alternated one person would drive the Jeep and one person would paddle with me. Um, and it took 21 hours straight of, of kayaking. Um, but I really learned that once you are able to go the distance and get comfortable putting the time in, whether that's a hundred mile century bike, a hundred mile or hundred K ultra run, um, uh, it turns out I could, I could do a hundred mile nonstop paddle, nonstop kayak. Um, and, and in adventure racing too, these multiple days, when you get used to just being able to go, uh, that's a really great skill to have in life. And it, it, you kind of learn that it doesn't matter what the sports discipline is. Once you kind of have that ability to mentally and physically go for a really long time. Um, it's a great, it's a great lesson. And, and these, we, we talked a little bit about multi-day events. Like I think you have to have the experience of giving it your all running a marathon, doing a 12 hour race day, going to sleep and waking up and doing the same thing again, or even not going to sleep a whole lot. But once you have that experience of going for a really long time, waking up and doing it again the next day, you learn so much about yourself that you actually can keep going. Even if you just have to start by walking or slowly hiking, like you can keep going day after day. And we're so distanced from that today. Day and, and what, what society expects of us in our culture, that by participating in endurance sports, by participating in adventure racing, by participating in things that get us out so far outside of our comfort zone, we're really finding a lot of fulfillment um, when we do when we do push ourselves and, and experience those those uh, challenging moments that, that let us know what we are capable of. And, and, and to, to your point, and, and I, I appreciate that the three pillars and breaking it down so much. When someone takes the time to write a book, right? It, it takes time, it takes effort. And quick question, from the idea of, I want to write the book to the book being published, how much time passed? Well, I actually wrote the book fairly quickly um, because I had sort of, I had had all these runs and swims and climbs and, and I had kind of, you know, taken pictures and, and written about those before. And so the stories were kind of there, but I did want to package this, my experiences. I didn't want to just say, I did this, this, and this. I kind of packaging it and sharing these lessons that I've learned, um, this sort of, you know, I'm not the best. I'm not the most elite, but I've won some things. I'm actually a pretty good adventure racer. I'm a great paddler. Like here, like I'm, but I'm also just a normal person. So I wanted to pull down those specific tactics that I use as a normal person to do really extraordinary things um, from the Midwest and, and go all over the world, travel everywhere, New Zealand, Iceland, Canary Islands, Patagonia. And, and you just don't always expect that. And so that's kind of like, you're capable of more than you think. 
There's more out there that you can do. There's always more to train for and try. And so those are kind of why, why I wanted to write it. And so the writing process really flowed. I am a writer in my day job, um, too. I, I write for um, different marketing communications. And so I've written for like every form of media. And so for me, writing a book was the next step. It's like, well, why not try a book? I, I love to read. I've always wanted to write a book. And so, yeah, the process of writing was really great and rewarding. And then, you know, when you do go this traditional publishing route, that is a longer process. Uh, but but it it's worth it because it, you have, you know, systems in place and you're following a prescribed um, um, formula. And, and it's great to have that support and also have that worldwide distribution as well. And so that people that are in Australia or New Zealand, where I do write about uh, some of the stories I've had in those countries, people in those countries can hear the stories as well. So when you when you sat down and decided to write the book, you had this this whole group of experiences that you had gone through. And you mentioned New Zealand and Patagonia and Mount Elbrus and all of that. And you have those the three the three pillars. Was it the chicken or the egg? Like, did you think of the experiences that you had and you wrapped the pillars into them? Or did you think of the three pillars first and you brought the experiences into them? It was a little bit of both. I think that I I definitely had the stories and then I had the concepts behind the pillars. I just kind of had to come up with official names for them. Um, And yes, I kind of, you know, explorers mindset, outlier tactics and immersion theory. It's really fun to just kind of say things and name things. And I feel like this, these concepts, they're they're not talked about in mainstream running books. They're not talked about in how to train for a triathlon book. They're really, they're really different and they're really unique. Um, And I have something in the book called it's, it's under explorers mindset. And it's really about discovering treasure and it's called the shopping cart test. And that goes back to my days as a kid running around playing outside. Uh, My dad brought home a shopping cart from like a job site. And we used that shopping cart and we just ran up and down the block with it. And we put all of our toys in it and and we just kind of had like this great time. And so the shopping cart becomes this symbol of this like approach to life. And and I have this test in the book of like, you know, can you pass the shopping cart test? And I just don't think that many sports books out there are going to be asking you that. Um, And so that's really what's different about Go Far is that it's it's different. There's different ideas. There's different concepts. There's different ways of thinking. Um, and it's not just about train really hard and go really fast. But you can do those things. But I guarantee if you follow the pillars and go far, you're going to have a lot more fun than just burning out and running 5Ks. So, you know, you talk about um, immersion, immersion theory, right? And so immer- yes. immersion theory, it sounds to me like the old expression. Yeah, I've seen the sign before when someone says, I'm just going to wing it. And it says about something I should definitely most not wing. It sounds like it's like you say to yourself, like immersion theory is just you may not be completely prepared. You may not be completely ready for it, but throw yourself into it with 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 both feet and see what comes of it. Am I, am I capturing that part correctly? Yeah. So, I mean, that's part of it. Um, I'm definitely for, you know, being prepared and for doing the proper training. But you're never I mean, how how ready are you ever really well, going to be? Well, that's a common point, right, is that we we say to people all the time, if you wait until you're ready, you're never going to go. There's a point in time where you just have to say to yourself, yeah, I'm just going to go for it and I'll, and I'll figure it out as I get out there. Yes, exactly. My, my family and I, um, so we've gotten into pack rafting recently and I, pack rafting is really showing up on the adventure racing scene. It's in almost every race. Um, and I got into it probably about five years ago, um, and just did some combinations of, you know, running with a pack raft on and inflating it, biking with it. Um, and so it's been fun to see pack rafting emerge, um, really taking a large, role in the adventure racing components. Um, But we wanted to do something. I have young kids. And so I don't have right now uh, the ability to be gone as much as I have in the past. And that's part of why I did the 100 mile paddle in the spring, um, because I wanted to do something that I could be in control of and be gone from my children as little as possible. Um, And so we came up with a way to go out on the weekend, do about an eight hour adventure, but not be gone from the kids for too long and not miss out too much on that. And so we started um, with the pack rafts full of gear and um, put uh, backpacks and bikes on top of the pack rafts 
wore wetsuits because it's October, swam across a lake, uh, swam about a mile across the lake, towing the pack rafts behind us, um, got to the other side, deflated the pack rafts, hopped on the bikes, biked over to a river, and then um, kayaked back. But because of the drought in the Midwest, there wasn't a whole lot of water in the Arkansas River. And so we ended up having to do a lot of sort of uh, hiking the river, uh, which I really haven't seen a lot of. And and maybe in drought conditions, we're going to see more of, but it was a way to sort of get out, explore the local uh, local scenery, kind of do something new in the river, try out this swim towing of a pack raft and a bike. Um, and so that was kind of one of our, it was, a, it was a mini adventure race that I designed with my dad and my husband to do on the weekends because we didn't have time to travel. We didn't have time to put together a team. And so that's a way that I'm using adventure racing and the combination of three different sports just on the weekends, just as a way to have fun and go out and get eight hours of training in, swim in a lake uh, with a with a giant raft and bike behind me, get, get a long bike in out in the middle of the country, didn't have to drive there, just, just bike there and bike to the river and like use natural resources. So that's kind of one of my passions right now. Um, and one of the ways that I am sort of, I'm a, like, I'm taking lessons from Go Far and applying them just in everyday life, just in, in living as a way to sort of explore and be immersed. Like, would we have rattled, have paddled down, down our river? Yes, we would have rather paddled, but instead we were making the slowest progress ever, like walking through the river. Um, but it was really great. We were talking about it this morning and it's like, we weren't really that far from home. I mean, we were 20, 40 miles outside of the city, but it felt like we were in a, another right. continent because there was there was nowhere, there was no way out. There was no help. There was no one around us. And so that was a really special and um the only way that we could get to a road was to get to the next bridge. And that is what adventure racing offers you or taking sort of the spirit of adventure racing and creating your own adventures. Like how often do we have a chance to really feel like we are completely away from civilization? And just, I, I just encourage people to find that um, as often as possible to connect with yourself, to connect with your surroundings, to connect with the land around you. And all of that, I mean, is just, you know, inspired by adventure racing. And so I like talking more about like the theories and the concepts behind adventure racing, because that's what I love. Gotcha. Yeah. The, um, I I've heard you talk about the idea of being away from society. I've heard adventure racers talk about how at the beginning of the race, when the, the time to turn your phones off and seal them in the bags, cause I mean, there's no, for those out there new adventure racing, there's no electronics used. It's map and compass and you do it on your own. People love shutting down their phone, putting it at the bottom of their pack, turning off the outside world and their world becomes their teammates around them, their maps and the distance between the beginning of the race and the end of the race. Like you really, that big world gets really, really small. And you mentioned that, that when you're out there doing the adventure, and we've walked down our fair share of stream share too. And we, we put these things together. I've, I've never heard the, these, the, the wetsuit pack raft, Tow the bike on the pack raft. Combo. That's a new one for me. So I, I like that. That's gonna that's well, gonna good, go to memory good, bank. because we have we haven't yeah. seen it, yeah, and that's yeah. why we wanted to do it. Um, and so we wanted to put it out there and say, hey, let's tow our, let's swim tow the bikes. Yeah, yeah. We we tend to we're we're a bit different in New Jersey. We tend to sit in the pack rafts rather than tow them. But hey, <laughs> Kansas, you do your own thing. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, we, we could have sat in them and paddled them. We could yeah. have, but hey, why not? Anyone so? could do that. Why not? So, so. <laughs> Anybody yeah, could sit in a, the pack raft. Um, that's what I like. I like finding the fun new combinations. So, and, so, and it sounds like you kind of mixed immersion theory and explorer's mindset, right? That's those yes. two, those two pillars came together. Now, outlier yep. tactics. Talk a bit more about that. Well, you'll love us, Brian, because in adventure racing, um, we know that oftentimes you're on for a long time, uh, days on end. Um, and so I say that as part of outlier tactics in everyday life, don't be afraid of the 24 hour clock. Um, and so that means instead of thinking that, okay, I either train in the morning or in the evening because I've got to work. What about if you expand your thinking and not morning and evening to think of your day as 24 hours in which you can use in whatever combination and what other pattern you need? Um, so when I was training for my first 100 mile ultra run, it was during a really 
really hot summer in Kansas. Um, every day was like over a hundred degrees. And I just, I needed to get these eight or nine hour, 30 mile runs in for weekend, you know, eight or nine weekends in a row. And I just had to find a way to beat some of this um, hundred degree heat. And so for my intense training period, I would go to bed early and wake up at like 1 a.m. and run from 1 a.m. at night until the next morning to get my giant mileage in for run training um, to help me train for some mountaineering that I was doing and to train for my first hundred mile. And so that was an example of I didn't have to run during the day. I ran during the night and tried to, you know, recoup my sleep because I do think you can't neglect, you know, getting sleep eventually for, you know, overall health. Um, I'm not saying that. I'm saying in a certain periodization points, you might have to think of your training over a 24-hour period, adopt the 24-hour clock. Um, and so that's a way to accomplish more things, train for more things, and use your time. We all have the same amount of time. Let's think about using it differently. And you know, adventure racing teaches that sometimes you're going on, on, you know, one or two hours of sleep. And, and in the book, I call that a combat nap. So when I was running across the Grand Canyon, the rim to rim to rim, I was having a really hard time once I got um, to the North Rim, which was closed. Like it was closed. We were there on the off season. Like I had absolutely no choice but to somehow figure out how I was going to get myself out of there with with my teammates. Right. Um, So I did uh, just a 15 minute like combat nap. Um, They were getting more water. I didn't need anything. So I sat down, closed my eyes and just rested and calmed myself. And so I have used that idea of combat nap, which is uh, filed under outlier tactics. Um, I've used it on mountains. I've used it in racing. I've used it in almost everything that I've done when I just need to calm down, close my eyes, figure out a way how I'm going to keep going. Because at that moment, I might feel like I can't keep going. Um, but using that 15, 20 minutes, maybe up to an hour, usually it's not an hour, usually don't have that luxury of time, but that's a great, a great skill kind of taken from, it's taken from military training, but it's taken from experiences in adventure racing and, and long, long day uh, journeys as, is as, is using uh, the combat nap as well, needed. So it sounds like the outlier tactics is it's, it's a mindset in which you look at a normal traditional uh, experience, 24 hour clock, sleep patterns, and you bring a different approach to it and say, how can I modify this? How can I change this? Like the idea of getting up at one o'clock in the morning to get a seven hour run in before the heat of the day comes on its face makes a ton of sense, right? But you say that to a, a person who doesn't do it for, a, you know, professionally or for a living or to really enjoy it. I'm getting up at one o'clock in the morning, I'm going running. They think you're crazy. And so the point <laughs> being is, so when you use the word outlier, you mean like a, a non-standard approach to a regular thing. Do I yes. understand that correctly? Okay. Yes. That's pretty fascinating stuff. And I think that to your point, you know, and, and, and all things begin and end with adventure racing, um, uh, uh, sometimes there are adventure racing teams that that benefit from having a very uncommon approach to something. We had a, a race recently here where a team did really well because they never said that you couldn't portage your boats. And this team basically said, "There's a there's a checkpoint here. We're gonna we're gonna take a non-standard, an outlier approach to it." And they they punched that checkpoint early. And at the end of the race, it was actually a genius move on their part because they saved a lot of time. Um, what awesome. a, what a, I have a friend of mine who's an, is a master navigator, and he's famous for for looking at the map and looking at ways in which he could modify the route or the approach or go through something and really shave time off that would not normally jump out at you. Once again, wow. to your point, like that outlier, that outlier approach. Yeah. Um, and and so in all of this, it sounds like it's wrapped in the idea that you you bring to this a a, a physical skill set that is there, right? You obviously train for it, right? That 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 goes up being said, it doesn't happen by accident, right? You spend your time doing the running. On top of that, there's a mindset approach that goes with it. And you may you mentioned the explorer's mindset, but it sounds like there's some grit built in there, there's some endurance built in there, things like that. As you check off these relative boxes, right? You mentioned Elbrus and Patagonia and New Zealand. Well, what's next? Like now that you've gone through these things, and I know you mentioned you had a younger family, very often priorities change with young children, right? As they should. Um, As you look down the road a little bit, where do you see these principles being applied in other parts of your life and other adventures that you're considering? 
Well, the quick the quick answer is that we often on really hard days of parenting, uh, my husband likes to joke that I wrote a book about endurance. And so I should just, you know, quote myself and get through the really hard parenting day. Right. <laughs> so so exactly. I feel like I use the principles from Go Far every day, just just not leaving the house, raising children. Um, but this year I had two main goals, which felt like were were doable, a, a spring goal and a fall goal. And that felt like what, what I could work on um, as far as doing a hundred mile continuous paddle on the Missouri River and then doing sort of the uh, the multi-sport pack raft bike uh, river hike, <laughs> uh, swim toe, uh, all kind of integrating the pack raft uh, because my husband picked up a pack raft and uh, wanted to use it more. And we wanted to this idea of connecting our favorite lake to swim in and our favorite river to paddle on. Like we were designing our own adventure race uh, that wasn't actually a race because no one had ever done it before. We really wanted to connect the two. And so that was my fall goal. And so we accomplished the spring goal and the fall goal. And that felt really good um, and meaningful. And, and this is a fun one, too. OK, so in adventure racing, sometimes you might run across rollerblading. Have you heard? Uh, have you done a rollerblade in your adventure racing, or have you talked to anyone who has? So we just we just brought that up this past. We were we had a chance to work the New York City Marathon this past weekend. And we were talking about the, the the older days of adventure racing, and and I came into the sport blessedly after rollerblading had passed because um, it's a pretty good shot that if I would I would strap on the rollerblades and then I'd be strapped into a stretcher. There's two things I think would happen, <laughs> one right after the other, but obviously that still exists for you. Yeah, so I I rollerbladed as a kid. And so I actually did some rollerblading racing. Uh, so I like to kind of feel like at any moment, if an adventure racing comes up with rollerblading, that I'm going to be ready. You're there. <laughs> I'm, I'm there. Um, so I love that, like in the history of the sport, like rollerblading does have a place. And so um, I randomly, not really randomly, I I, I decided to do a 10K um, in the fall at Rollerblade 10K. Um, just so that not not really for its own sake, but for, for the sake as its role in adventure racing. So that right. it's like, well, I've done a three mile. I'm just going to go do a 10K. <laughs> so I did that. So so that's an example of like I have these two big goals. But then like every weekend I try to kind of because I can't get away as much or travel as much. I try to use some concept from adventure racing or, you know, from go far explorers mindset, immersion theory, outlier tactics. I try to do that every weekend, at least. So um, we went hiking with our kids in, in an urban wilderness area that I used to mountain bike in. But um, why not go hike? I'd never gone hiking, especially with a giant backpack full of a child. Um, so that was just something that I could do on the weekend. Um, so every weekend, trying to get outside, explore something, um, run a new route, uh, run a new place, uh, go somewhere that you've been before, but you haven't done that version of sport. Right. Like, for example, like... I did the 10K rollerblade on a park that I'm super familiar with, but I was not familiar with it for six miles on rollerblades. So it was like a familiar experience in a new way. Um, and when I was training for the 100 mile paddle, um, I spent a lot of time on my local rivers. And um, one weekend, uh, the river iced over. And so I actually went ice paddling on the river in my kayak. Um, I had to kind of research it and make sure I had the safety gear and a partner and I had all the neoprene and gear from mountaineering. Um, but that was a way of like, okay, I've, I've done tons of paddling, but I've never done ice paddling. And it's actually its own sport um, with its own gear. And so just by going out every weekend year round, in all types of weather, I have found that I can have a different experience in familiar places year round because it's never the same river. It's never the same trail because there's always either wind or sun or rain or sleet or tornadoes. <laughs> um, so that's kind of something I do like to try and find a new experience in some way, if not every single weekend, some weeks, it's just not going to happen. But, you know, at least on a, a monthly at the bare minimum basis. It's so um, funny. So um, I've been told. <laughs> I, I, what I was told by a subject one time, an interview subject that he said to me, I said, well, how about Saturday? He goes, Brian, he goes, no self-respecting adventure racer would be available on Saturday. <laughs> like every single right. Saturday, somebody's right. out doing something. Right. Like, if you're yeah. I've, like at, at two o'clock on a Saturday, if I'm home, <laughs> it's like, it's like people are like, what are you doing here? Right. Every weekend you're out doing something. 
Yes. Yes. And that's, that's sustainable. I'm not necessarily racing a lot right now, but I'm still creating, I'm still pushing my limits. Did I want to swim in that freezing cold lake in October? Not really, but, but that was maybe one of the latest dates I had done an open water swim. And so in some form or another, I am really trying to find that adventure every weekend and um, in some way. And I think that you recognize the idea, and this is a really important thing for for the the newcomer to sort of grab onto, is that your training and your racing and even your fitness kind of goes through peaks and valleys, right? Yes. You're, you're not always really high, like right. I know, like right now we're recording this in November of 2022. We're recording this, right? And daylight savings time was this past weekend, and six o'clock now at night here in the Northeast, it feels like it's midnight. Right. Yes. And so it's okay to feel, say to yourself, I feel kind of down now. I feel my training's not that strong, recognizing that will pass eventually. But the point that you're making, which is really important to make, is steady and consistent over time, like not really walking away from it at all, like and doing what you can, what you have with where you are. Because I know totally. a lot of people who, if they can't get out for a big, long, massive weekend, they'll do nothing. And sometimes you just have to, you have to do the best you can with it. Right. And you have to say, listen, right. The best I have today is I have 30 minutes. I have an hour exactly. and, that, and that's it. Boxes checked off. Um, Brad Stolberg, who's a, a really, really wonderful writer, The Growth Equation. He talks about that the real success comes from being consistent, not from hitting home runs, but hitting doubles, hitting singles. And that's what he talks about a lot. And it sounds like that's what you're saying also. 100%. And, you know, you just get out there. And if you can't run this weekend, let's try a bike. If you can't bike this weekend, let's try a rollerblade. What about just a hike? You know, like, uh, how about paddling instead of the regular kayak? Let's paddle the pack raft this weekend. And so just having that consistency. And when you're getting bored and you need to change up, just change your sport. Like in adventure right. racing, you're always looking forward to that change up. And you know that you can go on because you're getting ready to get off this bike right. or, or you're getting ready to get off this river um and and i really like seeing um you know in e eco challenge fiji the stand-up paddle boarding section so we do we do a lot of stand-up paddle boarding too which you know 10 years ago uh we weren't necessarily doing um so that's another one of the sports i like how they they come and go and and i have a fun story for you too um i i watched eco challenge fiji and um, actually some of the competitors um from that have written a, a reviews for go far and my book. And so that was really fun. And we have a lot of connections as far as like some of the racers have um, are friends with people I've raced, like raced with in ultra runs in Namibia. And so I feel like part of this community. And so I have um, reviews for my book, Go Far, from adventure racers from Australia, uh, from the United States, from South Africa. So we're part of this community. Um, but but watching Ego Challenge Fiji uh, a couple of years ago, I saw that they were doing outrigger paddling because they were in the Pacific. Um, and so I had an opportunity to go to Hawaii uh, for work last year. And I knew that while I was there, I absolutely had to try outrigger paddling, outrigger canoeing, um, because it's it's a sport that is big all over the Pacific. It has a, a strong island heritage. And I wanted, again, kind of like the rollerblading, I wanted to get familiar with it. So if I ever find myself in an adventure racing situation, I will at least be able to say, yeah, I know how to outrigger paddle. Um, and so I was there for work. I was traveling and I got to train on some outriggers and it was so fun. It was such a great experience. And that was just an example of me like looking for that adventure racing edge in everyday life and taking advantage of it, getting some training in uh, while I was on vacation or traveling um, and trying a new sport while I was at it. So that's that's something I also try to do is like, um, you know, the riding a camel, the riding a horse. We kind of talked about that. Of Those things kind of show up in adventure racing. So anytime I get a chance to do that. I like to keep my skills. <laughs> I like to know that my skills are, you know, if not great, at least they're fresh. <laughs> and so so. It sounds like the really the, the through line with a lot of your, your, your writing and your own, your own performance is the fact that you take the physical capacity, but you also have a mindset goes with it. Right. Yes. And the idea that those things work together, um, you know, Bull Durham, right. Famous movie, uh, the, the, the nuke, Lelouch was the young pitcher played by Tim Robbins. And someone said, you have a million dollar arm, but a 10 cent head. It sounds like the idea that like, you want to have the million dollar arm and the million dollar head. You want to bring all of that to your performance. Yes. Um, so as, as I as I want to let you go and let you get back to your life, I know you have kids and all sorts of other things chewing at you, I'm sure. What thought do you want to leave the newer racer with? 
the newer racer, I want them to know that it's okay to get wet. It's okay to get dirty. It's okay to get muddy. It's okay to get lost. Um, just embrace it and have fun and, you know, enjoy the, the rotation of the sports. That's my favorite part is that as soon as you're sick of one thing, you get to switch. Um, and so that allows you to keep going longer because you're not just doing one, you're doing multiple and having that mode switch up is what I always find inspiring. Um, so keep getting out there, keep trying new things, uh, keep adding to your sports repertoire and keep adding. You can always do more time, more days, more distances. And that's the fun part to me is that once you've done two to five, go up to 10 to 15, try a 24 hour, and then you can get into those multiple days as well. So there's always uh, more to do, more to learn and uh, read go far. There you have it, folks. Another episode of The Dark Zone. Thank you to Jennifer for coming on to the show. If we could bottle her energy, we could solve the energy crisis. Something else. Go check her book out. Link is in the show notes. Can't miss it. Special thanks to our sponsor, VJShoesUSA.com slash the-dark-zone. Check out VJ Shoes for their lightweight and sticky and grippy and wonderfully drainy shoes. Enter code DARKZONE20, all one word, DARKZONE2020 for a $20 discount on your purchase. And thank you again to our charity partner, Ascend Athletics, for all that you bring to young women in Afghanistan and Pakistan. We are proud to support your mission of developing leadership and community service in that part of the world. Listeners, thanks for being here. You have a lot of choice in how you spend your time, and we're grateful that you choose to spend it with the Dark Zone. To help us out, go like our Facebook page and head over to your platform of choice and rate, click, and like. Their algorithm likes that when people pay attention to podcasts. Spread the word. Thanks for being here, and good luck racing, and have fun training.
Don't you cry. Don't you cry.